quality is not a luxury. It's mm -hmm. also not a mystery. It right. is a necessity, however. So whatever you're doing, however you need to pivot in your business, in whatever level, quality needs to go. And if it does go with you, your clients and customers will follow you as well. Welcome to the Shop Talk Podcast, brought to you by 124Go. I'm your co-host, Chris Sulemay, and as usual, sitting here with my great friend, John Palmieri. And if you're wondering why John looks so good in the camera, if you're seeing a, a video version of this, he made me put up a selfie light for him. <laughs> I, I know. Is that what that is? I know. Is that, at five, is that at 5,000 Kelvin? So I don't think so. But, um, man, um, we... We have a wicked special guest today. Incredible. That was the adjective you were looking for. Yeah, wicked. it is. Mm -hmm. And um, it's amazing because I'm really getting tired of this, actually, to where I have to credit you every single time for getting us some amazing person. <laughs> mm -hmm. And, you know, you've done it again. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm shooting from the hip on this because Matthew and I are literally just meeting in the moment. We've, we've had the chance to talk for a couple of minutes. Yep. Um, but you've got with us a great guy who's actually joining us from Romania mm -hmm. as we speak. So it's 9 p.m. his time. His name is Matthew Cross. By the way, Matthew, welcome. Thank you. Thank you. It's a delight to be here. And um, as yes, Matthew is as good looking as his radio voice. So if you're wondering, yes, the answer is yes. Um, with that said, I know, Matthew, you've done a bunch of TED Talks. Um, you, you're a speaker for a living. You, you inspire people and teach people and educate people across the world. And you do that with a very different background than a lot of us have had. Um, and we, this kind of conversation came up around the fact that the world is in a, in a high level of change right now. Mm -hmm. One of your mentors um, is a man who post-World War II Japan... Mm -hmm was instrumental in helping the Japanese and Japan as a whole um, adopt this idea of constant never-ending improvement and getting better, becoming quality. And, you know, John was thinking of you because he understood your study of Deming and his work and started to draw the comparison between here we are in post-COVID trauma, mm -hmm. if you will, as a country and a world, and there are a lot of people trying to reinvent and reignite. Mm -hmm. um, and so I'm just thrilled to get started in this conversation. By the way, John, fill in any blanks that I didn't fill in around Matthew because I know he's done so much and I just want to make sure yeah, I think he gets the credit. You, you covered all, I mean, you covered all the main points, you know, as we kind of talked about before we started this podcast, I was basically going through my library, trying to clean out some books, came across these books by Edward Deming. And, you know, there's always somebody in your life that and, you know, I had met Matthew probably at least 20 years ago now, um, a speaker, an educator who kind of like always, they always sit in the back of your brain, right? And Matthew's been one of those people that's always kind of sat in the back of my brain. He, he influenced my library. 
he influenced my thinking, and I thought that at a time, and you've already touched on this, the world's kind of like post-World War II Japan right now. And and let's take this with a grain of salt. We didn't have a world war. Sure. Right? Yeah. But I think a lot of people are thinking, what do I do next? How do I navigate this change? How do There's a, it's a, there's a new world out there. Yeah. It's confusing. I don't know what to do next. And as such, I think Matthew's um, information both personally and the influences of Mr. Deming can kind of help us navigate this a little bit. So that's, that's where we're awesome. going to start. Well, then why don't, you, uh, why don't you take us out? I'm sure people want to hear from Matthew and uh, yeah. might be a little tired of hearing from us. Uh, let's start here. Matthew, how did you come up? You know, so understand, let, let's, because the audience probably doesn't know who Mr. Deming is. Let's start there. Who is Edward Deming? And secondly, how did you come across him? How did he become important in your life? Well, Every story, of course, has a beginning and has some remarkable aspects. So if we take a step back, one of my forthcoming books later this year is called The Greatest Business Success Story Never Told. The subtitle is Profit from the Profit. Mm -hmm. There's one individual who's responsible for more value, cash, cold, hard cash on the planet, I submit, than any other name that most people would think of. And I've asked this question literally thousands of times over the last two decades around the planet, and no one has ever surfaced the name of this American who the Japanese credit with their miraculous recovery. And really not just recovery, but ascendancy to world number two economy up until recently, and undisputed world leader in quality in product and service. And that is the American statistician, Dr. W. Edwards Deming. Now Deming, is also a Forrest Gump in history, literally. He is the man who is also critically responsible for the United States' victory in World War II. How is that possible? Deming wrote and taught the quality standards that made sure that everything the United States manufactured during World War II, the guns, the tanks, the planes, all the equipment, functioned like made in Japan quality today. Five years after the war, Deming went to Japan, not to help the Japanese, but to count them. He was a statistician. So he went there to help with the census, to lead the census in, in post-war Japan. Well, in 1950, you know, we had dropped two atomic bombs on the Japanese, and the half a million people or so, people who died in two flashes of light, were largely women and children. So the men were at the way at the front. So you can imagine, not only had we been firebombing the Japanese for months, and the country was leveled, destroyed, worse than the poorest country on the planet today, but their very soul had been taken from them. They had lost a half a million women and children and had no manufacturing base, had no hope. They were importing everything and they were absolutely desperate. So when the American high command realized that Dr. Deming was in the country to help with the census, they suggested, Dr. Deming, why don't you consider teaching, offering, teaching the Japanese the essential manufacturing and production secrets that we were doing during the war. And Deming, who had a huge heart and had grown up in dire poverty as a boy in Wyoming where the snow came in so uh, the cold and the snow was so bad they grew up in a little cabin way out in the middle of nowhere in Wyoming that his job was to sweep the snow back outside the door that came in underneath it the night before and he had a tremendous level of compassion for the plight of the Japanese by the way he was about six foot six so he's like a basketball player <laughs> you can imagine you know he's towering over the Japanese but he connected with them one-to-one -one. he had tremendous compassion and empathy and so when the Japanese realized that the man who had helped the enemy beat them was in their country and willing to share the secrets, they leapt at the opportunity. Mm -hmm. 
Mm -hmm. Now you have to understand, Japan had no natural resources, none. No oil, no gas, no coal, no wood, nothing. They were importing everything. And Deming made a famous prediction in 1950. And it's the reason I call him the Einstein of business and quality. And I'll come back to the moment mm -hmm. in, a, in a moment about why I submit he is the architect of the greatest business success story never told and how that applies to every single person on planet Earth. Whether you are a master hairdresser or whether you are making a car or you're delivering an online training or you're making an iPhone, it doesn't matter. Quality is not a luxury, it's a necessity. Mm -hmm. And Deming taught the principles and the simple practices that a 10-year-old can understand and apply to not only thrive in business, but to survive. And so John's really astute insight that in many ways we are like post-war Japan is right on the money. Although I would submit it's far more serious. Dude. And we're, we're not through the, this whole thing by any no. It's what we're talking about that all the time. I got to say, I mean, you're dropping nuggets here, like going out of style. And, I, and, and it's, it's interesting because you're one of the first people to talk about quality in a long time mm -hmm. that I, that I've sat with. And, and it's been for 10 years, you know, as I've listened and, Business has almost become this set of systems that you do, and then it's a set of systems. And the quality piece has almost become, eh, you know? And the fact is, is I think right now in a time like this, I'll tell you, if you were mediocre eight months ago and you were having some success because things were a little easier, don't fast forward 12 months with that mediocre attitude um, because quality is now the thing. People will have more choices and they'll be starting to make keener decisions around how they're going to spend their money and quality is going to become a big part of it. And I just think it's amazing because I really, truly believe we have forgotten that. Well, the great news is, is that the principles and practices to bring it alive in any business, mm -hmm. at any business cycle, that is at any point in the life of a business. And again, whether it's an individual, a partnership, a small company, or a Fortune 100, quality leads to quantity. Mm -hmm. You want to have quantity of cash, quantity of free time, quantity of meaning, focus on quality as your foundation, and the quantity of that which you desire will take care of itself. Mm -hmm. So... Deming made a famous prediction in 1950 to the Japanese. He said, look, if you will learn and apply what I'm going to teach you, I predict that within five years, Japan will be an exporting nation and you will be on your way to providing the highest quality goods and services the world has ever seen. And the world's going to be beating down your door to buy what you make. Now, what do you think the Japanese did when they heard this prediction? Oh, it's impossible. It will never work here, Dr. Deming. No way. The Japanese had reached the absolute Got bottom. Them. And the Got challenge them. is most of us have to wait until the plane crashes before we think about we need to do something. It's called emergence through emergency. Mm -hmm. Now, the Japanese were right at that point. So they put their heads down. They learned and they applied it. And they beat that prediction by one year. The balance of trade swung in 1954 and Japan began exporting. And the rest is history with a small footnote. America was on cruise control after World War II. We had been producing quality and quantity during the war effort, but then we stopped because we were the only power left on the planet 
that was still making things. Japan was in ruins, Europe is destroyed, America is the only manufacturing power. And so we stayed making quantity and supplying the world without improving our quality. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, the Japanese, armed by Dr. Deming's principles, kept making things better, 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 better. They coined a name for that. It's called Kaizen, which, as you said, is continuous improvement. And they codified, with Dr. Deming's direction, a set of principles and practices that inevitably leads to highest quality product and service and market leadership. And so in the 1970s, American businesses began to sink. Our car industry, our electronics industry started to sink rapidly by the head because Japan was making better products. And there was a time, and some of us who are here or who are listening might remember, but there was a time that in some parts of America, people would drive in a new Datsun, now Nissan, or Toyota to a town square invite people to come with their sledgehammers and smash to pieces that evil Japanese car because it was taking away American jobs. Okay. That's the, that's the spirit attack, the symptom, not the cause. How did I discover Dr. Deming? Well, (laughs) Deming was, um, is truly a prophet in a foreign land. He's a national hero in Japan, the highest award you can win to this day in Japan. And it's been awarded every year since 1951. It's like the Oscars. It's called the Deming prize and it's televised, and it's a massive yeah. honor. Okay, now yeah. imagine that in the United States. If our top prize for quality and success was the Ishikawa Prize, and it was named after a Japanese citizen. Right. Okay. No, it's pretty amazing. Deming was put on national television for 14 minutes in 1980 by a colleague of mine, a woman who's now in her 80s. She is another Forrest Gump in history. She is a reporter and producer at NBC. She worked with every president from Kennedy up to Carter. And in 1979, she was tasked Claire Crawford Mason is her name. She was tasked with finding out the answer to the question, why is American business getting killed by the Japanese? And she started going to the heads of Japanese organizations in her quest in this production of this documentary. And she asked him the question, what are you doing? What's going on? What's happening? What's your secret? And one Japanese executive, she asked, she said, what is the secret? And he said, well, you should know it's Dr. Deming. And she literally said, Dr. Who? Mm -hmm. And the Japanese businessman took it literally and thought she was talking about a Chinese man, H-U, Dr. Who. And he said, no, not Dr. Who, Dr. Deming. Deming. (laughs) And she found out out that he was 79 years old, still practicing in his basement office in Washington, D.C., 20 minutes from the White House, and no one in the Carter administration ever heard of this guy. So she thought there might be a story. She got an appointment to go visit Dr. Deming, and essentially he told her that he taught the Japanese to work smarter, not harder. Right. That cliche, by the way, which rings with truth, came from Dr. Deming. Mm -hmm. So she put him on television for 14 minutes in 1980, and it's the reason Ford Motor Company is the only American car company that never took a buyout from the government. Mm -hmm. Translation. The CEO of Ford Motor Company was watching that night in 1980. The head of Xerox was watching. And Dr. Deming was reintroduced to the West and to the world. And that's what literally saved many American businesses and introduced the concepts of Six Sigma, Mm -hmm. continuous improvement, agile, lean, Kaizen, and all the rest to the world. As you were talking, I was thinking about the movie Ford versus Ferrari. Yes. Because, you know, it's a really beautiful visual and not that obviously Ferrari was an Italian made vehicle, but the just 
the fact that when you saw those two put next to each other and it was like, whoa, you know, those are two completely different mindsets. And if you're, you know, I mean, if you're listening and it went over your head and you think we're talking about Japan versus America, you know, back then we are sort of, Mm -hmm. but if you're a salon, right? if you're a restaurant tier, if you're a auto shop owner, Mm -hmm. this is your competition, you know? We were talking to, I was talking to a stylist this morning that one of her best friends owns a florist and they're closing, you know, it's not about, you know, the automotive industry. It's about yeah. American industry, American business as a whole. Um, and making the commitment to quality. You yeah. Know, like what's your commitment? So, so here, so here, there's the big picture, right? So now I want to kind of bring this down a little bit, right? So how does this apply on a daily basis? And, and here's a couple of things I want to start off with. The first thing I want to start off with is if we're in this place where, you know, business is kind of wonky, we don't know what's going to happen next, there's uncertainty out in the universe, uh, we call it the new normal, although I don't know, even know what that is. Um, if we're talking about priorities regarding moving forward, and I'm going to assume quality is one of them, um, and Brian, you know, uses this all the time. He says that right now, what we need to do is thrive in order to survive. Yeah, um, and I know, was, I know that was just said the same thing. That, yeah. was be- that was well said. And you've used the same language, so you guys are on the same page. But let's talk about that a little bit. Let's drill down a little bit more on what are the priorities. You know, Deming made a case that quality was the case for Japan at that time. As we're looking in the mirror, what are the priorities we really need to focus on to come out? on the other side of this in a better place than we are now. Yeah, and the, the number one item here always is uh, job one is to stay alive, mm-hmm. right? And I mean, I mean in our lives, physically, in Certainly. our life, as well as in our business. Yeah. And let me make, the, let me, I wanna make sure this is really, really clear that quality is not just about Japan. Mm-hmm. Doctor, De- the DNA of Deming is in Apple. Right. It's in. Hewlett-Packard, Intel, Ritz-Carlton, every single successful company on the planet, every single organization on the planet that's thriving and succeeding today has Deming's DNA. Quality is not a luxury. It's also not a mystery. It is a necessity, however. So whatever you're doing, however you need to pivot in your business, in whatever level, quality needs to go. And if it does go with you, your clients and customers will follow you as well. So... The essence is always to start when you think about Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Think about it. Most of us up until five months ago, before this worldwide scenario was unleashed, um, we were thinking about personal growth, self-esteem, helping others, dwelling in the upper third of Maslow's pyramid, right? Mm -hmm. And we were, many of us were doing well, or at least had the vision that if we calibrated some things in what we were doing, learned a little more, focused a little more on the right things, we could succeed. And then this comes along, okay? And we're plunged down into the basement of Maslow's hierarchy, literally. What is that? Survival, mm-hmm. safety, okay? Our own health, our own life, our own social connections, our connections with one another, right? All of these things cut or thrown into extreme restriction. So now the real scenario is what are the core priorities, of course, that we need to focus on to survive strongly and set the stage again to grow and thrive. Here's the deal. Every one of us, I like to say, look, you sink, you swim, or you soar. 
based on the validity, the clarity, and the sequencing of your priorities. Mm-hmm. Life is about priorities. And if you identify the right ones and put them in the right sequence, almost like a, a pin code, an ATM code, mm-hmm. right? A code to get into a website. If you surface and clarify your priorities and put them in the right sequence, well, you've got the best possible chance, the best odds of not only surviving, mm-hmm. but thriving as well. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm going to assume, I'm not going to assume, I know that that takes time, effort, and energy, right? To actually sit down, think about what your priorities are, put them in an order that makes sense, and then to act on them, right? Well, and- that's the good news, John. That's the great news. And I'll, I'll circle back to resources now. Sure. We'll weave in resources as well as principles. Because, listen, principles, ideas, obviously can move our lives and move the world. Mm-hmm. But what can we do with them? How do we put them into practice? I've come up with a very simple model of, it's called the, cross-performance pyramid. And I'll just give it to you verbally here in a matter of seconds. Everything begins with principles. Think of the base of a pyramid. Principles, translation, values. What are your values? Freedom, it's one of mine, okay? Abundance, one of mine. One of my top principles or values is health, health. And by the way, Accenture, which is a fairly large consulting organization, recently said in a study that every single business on the planet, whether they like it or not, is gonna start to realize that they're in some level also a health business. Mm -hmm. Health is no longer a luxury. And it's not just about protection from this largely exaggerated nonsense that we're being subjected to around the planet, Mm -hmm. okay? It's about your everyday health, the health of your mind, your body, your soul, your spirit. That Mm -hmm. is your number one most precious resource, okay? So everything starts with principles and getting clear. That doesn't take days, weeks, or months, that can take minutes and hours to clarify. What are my guiding principles? What are the chief coordinates in my life and my business GPS? Once you're clear on your principles, you move to the second stage, practices, time to put them into practice, action. You've got to put your core principles into practice and you've got to do it daily. The one thing every master on the planet at any level or aspiring master has in common is a daily practice of something to mm-hmm. get them locked and loaded on the priorities and to stay focused on bringing their principles into practice, into life. If you do that, you get the third tier, the top of the pyramid, which is performance, results. We all want the results. We want to survive and thrive and help others do the same. But the only way to do it predictably, and by the way, Dr. Deming said, real knowledge, real wisdom is prediction. Mm-hmm. The ability to predict future outcomes with high probability mm-hmm. was with everything he taught. And a 10-year-old can understand and, and apply how to prioritize whatever your business is. It doesn't matter. Whatever mm-hmm. your business is, whatever the industry is, whatever the culture is, we all have core priorities. Mm-hmm. And many of us are too close to them, especially when we're thrown into panic, into fear, right? Mm-hmm. Where you got this, this virus that's in the air and it might come and it's going to come along and shh. It's going to come and, oh, my God. Ah! (laughs) (laughs) We've got to, literally, we've got to step in and we've got to reconnect with our own Terminator. We've got to be calm and we've got to be strong. We've got to remember that it's our immune system that is the absolute vital foundation, not only for our personal health, but for our business health as well. We've got to be strong, pump up our priorities every single day. And then we can tell this little, this little puny virus, 
which is really a girly man, we can then throw the virus away. All right, so hang on there because I'm not letting you get off this easy. Uh, two things I want to know. One, for those who didn't get to see the, who don't get to see the video later because this is a podcast. That was hilarious. Um, yeah. This fired you up. Why? You, you are very passionate about this part. Why are you so And I mean about, and I don't want to get to the virus part yet. I'm, I'm saving that for question number two. Question number one was this cross-performance pyramid. You're very, that speaks to you. Why is that, why are you so emotional? And I'm using that word in a positive way. Why are you so emotional about that piece? Why does it spur that passion because, in you? Because quite honestly, you know, my whole reason for being, one of my core priorities is learning. Mm -hmm. But and this is a gift for everyone, the Hopi have this wonderfully simple, powerful belief that learning is a circle and it's not complete until it's shared, which means teaching. Yeah. You can't learn something until you truly teach it. And you've gotta be passionate about what you teach if it's gonna make any sort of a difference. Yeah. And I know one of the reasons I'm on the planet is to make a difference. I am not just an inspirer or an awakener, right? Frost said, look, I'm not a teacher. Robert Frost said, I am not a teacher. I'm an awakener. And that is because I am passionate about life. I mean life, my life, your lives, and everyone's life who might hear this. I'm passionate about life and about the beauty of this existence, right? Mm -hmm. And it all comes down to right this second, the present. If anyone gets the chance to go onto YouTube and type my name in there, mm -hmm. they'll see that there's two TEDx talks I had the honor of doing. One in New York eight years ago on the universal secret of success mm -hmm. and harmony known as the golden ratio, which I've been studying since I was 12. And then last fall, I was given the opportunity to present, I was one of the two English speaking people to present at TEDx Mare, a beautiful old historic city in Northern Romania. And my focus there was blow up your bridge, which basically is blow up the bridges to things that don't serve you. Mm -hmm. And one of the secrets is our only point of power in life at any time is in one place and we forget it especially in times of danger and in times of challenge and trouble and worry. And that point of power is the present. Now. The past doesn't exist, neither does the future. Everything's in the now. And what's fascinating about trauma and uh, challenge and fear is that it pulls us out of the only place where we have full access yeah. to our both survival and I call it thrival, knowledge, wisdom, and action, and that's the present. Mm -hmm. And so the number one thing, yeah. when you look at billionaires <clears throat> like Ray Dalio, whose wife graduated my class, by the way, mm -hmm. Ray Dalio, as you guys might remember or know, is the head of Bridgewater Capital, which is America's largest hedge fund. It's a multi-billionaire fund. And Ray Dalio meditates 45 minutes a day and pays to train his entire staff to also learn meditation. Why? Because it keeps you present in the center of the storm. And when you do that, you can think clearly and rationally, you can work on what counts, and you can truly be more invulnerable, more immunized against what's going on around you. So I'm passionate about this idea. We forget, we jump into action, practice, show me what to do. I need to act, right? I need to do something. Right. But we forget that it's the being, it's the principles, it's our values, it's the foundation for intelligent action, that will lead us to intelligent performance and results. So I didn't name it the cross-performance pyramid, by the way, this is not an exercise in ego. One of my clients said, you gotta call it after yourself, it's too good, okay? Mm -hmm. um, 
But I want to share also before we're done with what can you do that's simple, easy, and fun mm -hmm. to surface, clarify, and align your success and life priorities and put them into action for you so that you can more predictably survive mm -hmm. and thrive yourself, your loved ones, your clients, and really the world. Before, before, before you say another word, I just, I just want to say we're like brothers from another mother. I'm your bald, shorter, I'm still pretty good looking uh, brother. Well, Italy, and, Romania, not that far apart. Not at all. A lot of these foundational principles become buzzwords. And people like work smarter, not harder. Some yes. people have heard that so often that they can't attach to it anymore or it doesn't move them or mean anything. How do you reactivate it? It's called the knowing doing gap. Well, I know that I've heard that before. Great. Are you working on it daily? This, the key is you don't really know something unless you're practicing it. And I would suggest sharing it in some meaningful way. Okay. Now it doesn't mean you have to go full time and go from being a master hairdresser to being a teacher. Although if you do integrate teaching your unique eye and vision and the principles that work for you, right? The practices that you've customized and developed and you do potentially integrate sharing them like we're doing now with the world and you take the shot, you take the shot and consider, Hey, what's my book? What would my TEDx talk be about how I found joy and fulfillment and meaning in my career and my life? If I was going to write a small book or if I was going to do a TEDx talk, how, what would, might I do? When we start to realize that each of us now has this incredible gift and opportunity called the internet, right? Called mm -hmm. cameras based in, in, in telephones and computers yep. and that we can truly reach the seven plus billion people on the planet many of whom do speak English, right? And yep. you don't need to be a master of the medium. You simply have to have some passion and have something unique to share. Since we're all unique anyway, that's built in, right? Mm -hmm. And the bottom line is there's a massive opportunity to not just get back to parity and survive, but to truly rise and make an impact and make a difference with others. So what I've done, and you know, when I was 17, I bought a book at a library sale. By the way, since you're, since you're going to the 17 year old age, I think it's worth mentioning. You never went to school. You, you didn't have any formal education whatsoever. It was all self-education. If you want to elaborate and mix these two stories together. Great. I'm happy to, yeah. um, that's a movie. That's a movie unto itself or at least another Ted talk. But yeah, the bottom line is I had very exceptional parents. They both were uh, radical conservatives. And what I mean by that is, is they were both superstars in the in university in their own educational careers, but they read a book when I was five called Summerhill about the world's truly first democratic school in England. It still exists about 90 minutes north of London. And basically in this school, lessons were offered, but were optional. The child got to choose when and what to learn. And there were no grades. By the way, Dr. Deming never graded his university students when he was teaching at Columbia and New York University. He never gave a grade because he said a grade is a subjective prediction on your future success. Who am I to make that grade? Okay. Mm -hmm. So when I learned this about Dr. Deming, by the way, because Tony Robbins was one of the people, the 10 pages in his book, Awaken the Giant Within, where he goes into Dr. Deming, were another door opener, you could say. My dad taught me about Dr. Deming in the early 1980s. My father was in the car business briefly. Um, and then eight years later, 
I read Tony's book, and there was another, and I got a little closer to Deming's philosophy. And then in the early 1990s, I attended a two-day business immersion seminar called The Future of Business, and it was all about Dr. Deming. And it was by a gentleman that I would partner with. For three years, I was a colleague with this gentleman who taught Tony Robbins how to present, how to communicate, and he was one of the key mentors of Tony when Tony was living in a van down by the river. This man also taught another guy who some people have heard of named Bob Kiyosaki, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And he taught another group of people who came up with a little idea called Chicken Soup for the Soul, Mark mm -hmm. Victor Hansen and Jack Canfield. Yeah. And then Who Moved My Cheese, Spencer Johnson. And the list goes on. His name is Marshall Thurber. He's nearly 80 and he's a former trial attorney. Mm -hmm. And he trained all of these people in how to present and how to truly think differently. Well, Marshall and I were partners for three years in the 1990s. And that's when I changed my career and shortly thereafter founded my consulting organization, Leadership Alliance but back to age 17. So I escaped the system. My mom and dad had a totally different philosophy. And they basically said to me and my two younger sisters, look, we're gonna keep you out of school. We've got a different idea. So I did go to high school. I went to American high school in uh, Massachusetts, Cape Cod for a semester okay, when I was 16 years old. And the challenge was, you know, as most children who are allowed to follow their own views and aren't forced, I was a decade ahead of my peers or more. I was talking about character analysis and who really built the pyramids, and they all thought I was a Martian, okay? Mm -hmm. I spent most of my time with the teachers and the faculty, and it's not because I'm some Einstein. This is what I'm most passionate about, guys. Everyone's a genius. Everyone, every child born, every one of us is a genius in our own beautiful, unique way. Mm -hmm. And the system is designed to make us think we're not and or help us forget because we're far easier to control and lead. If yep. we don't think we are enough and sufficient and have genius. Well, guess what? I was raised with a different principle. Mm -hmm. So I practice differently and I perform differently, right. okay? And yep. so age 17, I'm just a, you know, out of my one semester of high school. My dad figured out a way to get me into Harvard because I wanted to be a doctor. And my father figured out this ingenious way that I could get in a back door, life experience, et cetera, and I would have a shot to become a physician's assistant which is kind of another step to being a doctor. And I started interviewing my, my parents' friends, adults, their friends. What do you remember most about college? Because I thought even at age you know, 16, 17, if I'm gonna make an eight year commitment to go to college, no, I better get some no, idea no, ahead yeah, of time. Right. right. <laughs> and they all said the same thing. We don't really remember too much. In fact, we hardly remember anything about college. And they were like 10 or 15 years out of, out of college at that point. But we do remember our friends and our connections. And I said to myself, well, I'm pretty good at making friends. Do I really need to spend eight years and X number of hundreds of thousands of dollars on school loans? And so I pivoted, I pivoted, and I went into business instead. And I, I, I worked for a few companies. I worked for General Nutrition. I worked for a handful of companies. And I experienced the hell of top-down management. Right. You know? And then I started my own organization. I helped Greenpeace launch their gift collection nationwide. I helped launch a company called Stonyfield Farm Yogurt, which went on to become the largest organic yogurt company in the world. I played a role in their initial launch. And then I helped launch the Discover Card, credit cards. I had teams of people working for me. I was in my 20s. This is the late 1980s, early 1990s. I was really successful, but it was not soul satisfying. Mm -hmm. And that's when I discovered the work of Dr. Deming. But back to 17. I bought a book for two bucks at a library sale, Cape Cod, and it was called, Maybe You Should Write a Book. Two bucks, guys. And it was by this genius editor 
who had gone to all the major number, like big top authors, James Michener, all the rest of the day, and asked them if they'd write a small essay, a page or two, for young people about why they should consider capturing anything they found interesting in their own book. Mm -hmm. Planted a seed in my mind. I never thought I'd write even a magazine article. But then, years later, I got this idea for my first book. So I've written seven now, and I've got another five in the works as we speak. But why am I saying this? It goes back to genius. One of the things that wakes up our genius and can wake up our gift, not just for survival again, but to thrive, is to start to seriously ask ourselves, what could we share with our colleagues, our family, the world that could help, that could make a difference, that could lift? When we start to ask and live that question, it can start to reawaken the dormant genius and the dormant gifts and strengths that we have. And so I share this again because I can't reach out, you know, through the, the, the camera or the microphone right. here and just give it to everyone, which is what I'd like to do. But they do exist as ebooks. So I want to share quickly the first book I wrote. It's called The Millionaire's Map. Huh. The Millionaire's Map. Yeah. And this book is a 21 day workbook. It's not just the book you read. This isn't the Matthew Cross Leadership Alliance recipe for mm -hmm. health, wealth, and happiness, because that only exists for me and I'm still working on it. Mm -hmm. This is a 21-day workbook where you spend money in the most powerful place all of us has access to, but most of us don't use, our imagination. Mm -hmm. That's the secret for all of us, by the way, is we don't practice our imagination. We were really good up until about age six, seven, or eight, but then it got schooled out of us. But that's the secret. Mm -hmm. If we're going to focus on one secret this evening, it's reignite realign and refocus your imagination. Well, I learned that if I spent money on paper, 21 days is what the process takes. Tune to the Fibonacci sequence, mm -hmm. this incredible sequence of numbers that right. grows by adding on itself. And it's the code behind growth in nature in the universe. I did this for 21 days when I was living month to month. And within three months of doing this process that I codified in this book, my income tripled. Without any conscious, I didn't, you know, just literally out of the blue, I got new clients, things happened as if by magic, and I never looked back. Mm -hmm. So that was one example of something I tried on myself. It worked like magic. I shared it with friends and family, and I codified it in a book. But back to probably the number one thing I could share. Again, everything that I write tends to be more of a co-authored book by you, by the reader. Okay? It's never a one-way deal. Mm -hmm. And whenever I present questions rule the day. That's why I always ask people, if you had to name the number one person who is the architect for the greatest business success story in the planet, and you could learn the principles, by the way, from this person, who would it be? And I get Steve Jobs, I get, you know, Warren Buffett, you know, Henry Ford, enlightened people might say Nikola Tesla, list goes on. And yeah. those are all great. You could make a case for many of them. But Deming, in his very simple focus on identify the right things to work on in the right order, regardless of your business. Mm -hmm. Know that the only thing you're in business for, there's, Deming said there's only one target in business. One, only. It doesn't matter if you're Toyota or you're starting a new salon in Atlanta, okay? Or you're going to you know, start um, writing poetry and sharing it on a podcast. There's only one target in business. And Deming said, it's loyal customers, loyal clients. Mm -hmm. Aim your business on delighting, first acquiring, and then delighting and retaining 
the right customers. When you do that, they will stay with you, repeat, and they will refer. And what Deming taught the Japanese and what Apple learned and all these other organizations is the essential simple principles of how to acquire, delight, and retain clients. And when you do that, business, profit, market share takes care of itself. Okay? And so I wrote the world's first workbook. Okay? It's a workbook. And it's the process that Toyota and other top companies use to surface, clarify, and align their priorities for success. And it's the process that does it personally and professionally. By the way, I don't believe in this notion of work-life balance. Mm -hmm. You can't separate them. Work and life go together. We're in this beautiful synergy and dynamism. Mm -hmm. And if we want to get out of the stress that shortens our lives and takes away the joy, we need to figure out where to find the joy in what we're doing for work. So it's not work and something we need a vacation from or right. we need a, a weekend from. Does that make sense? Yeah. So listen, one of the first things I learned when I discovered Dr. Deming in the early 1990s was this process. And it just completely blew my mind. Okay? It's called the Hoshin Kanri, Japanese for inner compass and guiding star. All of us have a guidance system. We've got a GPS in our DNA. It's in our hearts and our soul. Most of the time, it's been schooled out of us. <laughs> the connection with our latent native strengths and talents. I learned about this process, which is based on Deming's principles in the mid-1990s. And I ended up leading it with teams. The Japanese developed this process to bring teams of executives together so they're working on the right things in the right order for their success and joy in work. And it was miraculous. Mm -hmm. And I led myself through it. And eventually, when the Fortune 100 started knocking at my door, and by the way, 100% of my business today is from referral. 100%. And that's because the work I do tends to work. It tends yeah, to right. help. Teams and people and companies predict that where they invest their time, energy, and money will be a better place that will not only delight their clients, but will also delight themselves and their team and everyone in the organization, and people will seek you out. So I led this process for myself, and it's the reason I'm sitting here talking to you. Mm -hmm. And my clients... I started working with the Fortune 100, the Bank of Americas of the world, the Swiss banks, organizations that many are familiar with. They all started demanding that I codify the work into a book. It is in a book. It's on Amazon, and it's coming soon to the internet as a process that will be led as an app. It's called the Hoshin North Star Process. Awesome. It's a thin workbook. The Hoshin, H-O-S-H-I-N, rhymes with ocean. But if you simply plug my name, Matthew Cross, into Amazon, you'll pull it up. And it's a workbook. And by the way, it's fun. It, it, it walks you through a very simple seven-stage process. And in this process, and here's kind of the, that's kind of the table of contents, okay? Yep. Seven steps. In this process, you surface your personal and professional priorities. You validate them, and most importantly, you sequence them into an action plan. Takes maybe 30 to 60 minutes to do it. And when you do it, you become crystal clear of where to focus your energy and time day to day, week to week, right. month to month, so that you put the wind under your wings. So, so Matthew, 
First of all, um, I just want you to know you, you've done something amazing today. You shut both of us up. You kept both of us quiet for like 45 <laughs> minutes. So congratulations, because I don't think that's ever happened before. Um, and secondly, so I, I'm just trying to get my brain wrapped around this. Where I want to go with, you know, there's so many places I want to go that I think we may end up going for another hour, and we can't do that, so we're going to have to have you come back. Always, always do a, a repeat, guys. I'm happy to go in different directions. Thank, no, this is perfect. Um, so here's the thing. For, 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 for myself, I'll speak for myself. I want to buy the dang book. I want to go through the worksheet. You know, we've done exercises in our company where we've gone through and we've clearly defined what our values are as a company because like you and like Chris, we believe that's the base for everything. Like if you don't have yes. common shared values, the rest of it falls apart. Um, we call it culture in our company. You know, what's the cult yes. you know, our culture is supported by our values. But here's the thing. I'm that person. Chris is that person. You're yes. that person times five. <laughs> The part that I want to talk about a little bit is now we have six managers that are responsible for 150 employees. Yeah. You know, we have a home office that's responsible for those six managers. Yeah. And while may I well, am all set to buy the books and the worksheets and can't wait to go home and do them, and while Chris I know is writing them down, not everybody, I don't want to say understands because that's not accurate. What I do want to say is that we're ignorant to these options. We're ignorant to these possibilities because maybe, and I'm throwing a wide net on the world here, maybe we are one of those people that caught up in the systems process of not letting us know that we were genius or squashing it down, you know, maintaining that control. How can managers specifically help reignite or rekindle or rediscover in the people that they're coaching, no, there is, because, you know, I want to get, I'm going on a bit here, but one of the things I hear when I'm working with our staff who are in this different place, they're still trying the same old methodologies to correct something that no longer works, right? And they're stuck. Results by doing the same thing a little right. different or a little right. harder definition of insanity right and so one of the struggles that i think managers and leaders have is i get it i understand what you're saying how do i help other people who maybe aren't ready to hear it yet and not because they're not capable but because they don't even know it exists or don't even know it's an option well as um as deming was fond of saying it's not what you don't know that holds you back or kills you right it's what you do know that isn't so it's your prevailing paradigm it's your mm -hmm. mindset. Mm -hmm. And so you don't know what you don't know, essentially. Right. And Deming was, Deming was, uh, he was, he was ruthless, by the way. He was ruthless mm -hmm. with CEOs who didn't get it, who wanted to blame people, blame people for the issues in an organization instead of taking responsibility. Deming said that, look, 95% of your success comes from your business system, not the people. People right. want to do a great job. If they can't, don't, or won't, it's not their fault. It's process. that leadership, the owners and founders don't understand that it's the business system that determines the majority of the results of the output. So transformation comes from outside and by invitation only. And usually when there's an emergency, we don't think about the plane until it's going right. diving out of the sky, right? That's when we tend to think, help, I need, I need to learn something. I need to know something. 
Right? And the Japanese were at that point. So got to identify the pain, mm -hmm. got to identify the potential, right. right? And got to ask the question, what do I not know that I don't know? And who might be able to help me step away, rise above mm -hmm. to get perspective? Here's the deal. I like the eagle metaphor, and it's playing an increasingly rapid part in my work. Mm -hmm. um, there, one of the names that has been ascribed to this process is ESP. Everyone can use a little ESP, mm -hmm. okay? And that's eagle strategy process. Why? When the eagle senses the storm, he doesn't stay in the nest. Mm -hmm. He flies to a high point, the top of the tree even, or a high cliff, and he waits for the storm to come, and when the winds come, he jumps, grabs the wind, and flies above the storm until it blows itself out. Interesting. Mm -hmm. So we need eagle eye perspective. Right now, today, mm -hmm. in July 2020, all right, as the second wave may marshal itself, as right. the world may plunge into even more economic chaos, we may just be at the beginning of what we think is a hard time. Right. And, the, and we can either bury our head in the sand like an ostrich, or we can be like the eagle and get above this thing and get perspective. This Hoshin North Star process, by the way, is the most elegant, rapid way to step back and gain strategic perspective on where am I now, yeah. where do I need and want to be, and how am I best going to get there? So exposure to even this conversation, and this is, what, this is why I'm in business and love doing what I'm doing. I'm working sure. over here with a French organization that, is based all, that also has a major base in Romania before I come back to America. And I'm working with a leadership executive team, and we're taking several days and going through this, getting our hands dirty, going through a lot of this work. And it's exciting as hell for people in any culture, any country, any stage of business. I've done this work, by the way, with school children. Okay. Mm -hmm. So everyone, everyone is ready to learn faster, easier, better, the right stuff and put it into practice so that we can be more focused, more aligned happier, more in flow, and be on the path to making more money and being more bulletproof and mm -hmm. immunizing, if you will, you know, tuning up the immune system in our work or job or life. That's what this is about. And by the way, we haven't talked about health. Mm -hmm. I, I've written a 500-page magnum opus book with a medical doctor. Ah, it's the number one primer. Yeah. Say again. Says nature's secret nutrient. Nature's secret nutrient. And the subtitle is Golden Ratio of Biomimicry for Peak Health, Performance, and Longevity. This is a 15-year magnum opus. It'll be a masterclass on video soon. But awesome. here's the point. Health is number one. Health. And so the number one thing that I would want to leave the listeners with, health-wise, okay, mm -hmm. is you've got the number one focal point of your health right now it's free and it's unconscious. And it's, by the way, it's the number one predictor of healthy longevity for all humans. And it's the size of every breath. Oxygen is fuel number one for the human body, the human soul, and the human mind. And most of us do it, breathe on autopilot. Chapter one of my book is breathing. Most of us forget it. All the money in life on health is invested predominantly in exercise and diet. Those are the fourth and sixth priorities, respectively, when sequenced through the same process as guiding Toyota. The number one priority, oxygen, breathing. So don't breathe on autopilot the rest of your life. Take even two or three minutes a day and stop and breathe slow and deep into the belly first, then the chest, then take an extra sip of breath, 
expand your lung capacity and then let it go. You'll think clearer, you'll be more present, and it's free, at least for now. I like free. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Matthew, this whole conversation in uh, Genesis was because I was trying to thin out my library. Uh, you, you weren't supposed to give me 10 more books to read. <laughs> the, the book that I recommend is the Hoshin North Star Process because yeah, this is you. the workbook for priorities in your life and your business. But here's the deal. What I'm doing with some clients here in Europe is I'm doing master classes and they're quick, high speed and interactive. Yeah. So that might be something to explore in the future because then if people wanted to sign up and do something let's, that was say two or three part, they could actually be walked through this process, right? Yeah. And I'm happy to be the live coach and to be the, 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 champ, you know, the, uh, the uh, champion here of people's aligning on their priorities and bringing their strengths and talents to life. And by the way, this is my new business card. Oh, <laughs> that's awesome. For those of you who can't see it, it's a $2 billion bill with Matthew's picture on it. The back is my alma mater. That's known as the Boston Public Library. Oh, I love it. That's where I spent a lot of my time as a child learning. I love that building. But yep. the reason I put, by the way, the reason I created a facsimile of uh, a currency, a $2 billion bill with my picture on it, it's got my, what, my telephone number and all the, the data on it, sure. is because it's permission to dream and think big. Yeah. What would you do if you had a $2 billion bill? Most of us never think this way. Right. I like to think a little different. Yeah. And I did spend a little time with Steve Jobs 10 months before he died in 2011. And that can be the subject of a future story because he is the subject of one of the books I'm writing with a co-author. Matthew, thank you so much for your time today. Mr. Suleiman, yeah. thoughts, My feedback? Pleasure. I mean, from the start of the gate, we talked about basic business principles of elevating your quality. Mm. You know, we then dove into kind of taking some of the long foundational acronyms and revisiting them to go, okay, now here's the gap between what you know to do and what you should be doing. Mm -hmm. um, and then really took a look at society, like what's happening. And, you know, I, in my mind, the, the, the way that I say a lot of what Matthew said is controlling my controllables. What can I control right now? Mm -hmm. It's me, my mm -hmm. attitude, my approach, my behaviors. Right. And I think it's, I think it's just great. Yeah. I mean, I just love, I love this conversation we just had. Yeah. Matthew, thanks for everything today. I really enjoyed it. You've expanded my reading list again, so um, thank you for that. <laughs> Although my wife may have different feelings about it. Um, but, you know, I'm going to close out with this. You talked about, you know, why are we even talking about the virus and the epidemic and mm -hmm. the, the pandemic, excuse me? Because when we go back to what you had said about, you know, the work-life balance, they're entwined, right? Yes. It's not yes. about... And we have this conversation with lots of people. I'm, I'm trying to find a work-life balance. I'm trying to find a work-life balance and, and, you right. know, not to be a knucklehead. But sometimes I don't understand what you're saying mm -hmm. because is there really a balance or are they not intertwined? Are they not we part of the whole? The, we change the question there. We don't, we don't define work-life balance. We need to rediscover the, mm -hmm. in, the integration and synergy mm -hmm. of the two instead of trying to compartmentalize and find a balance. A balance, by the way, still maintains separation in the mind. Right. Okay. The two ends of the scale. No, no, no. They're, not They're together. Separate. They're together. And we need to find a synergy and integration between the two. They're one and the same. And again and again and again, the health of your life, your thinking, your feeling, your energy, your presence, moment mm -hmm. to moment. By the way, it's the number one gift that you can give yourself and give someone you care about, give a client is what? 
your presence. Your presence. No distraction, no device, presence. When you're present, the odds of you having an accident go way down, whether it's a car accident or whether it's walking across, you know, off a curb into a bus. You've mm -hmm. got to be present. It's the only place life happens. And it's the only place you can truly add and receive value is to be present. So I'm all about fundamentally, how can you be more present and how can you take better care of the health of your body, your life, and your business will follow when you come from the foundation of health. So that's why to me, those are also uniquely intertwined. They're not separate. You know what I mean? Love it. I think that's a great, yeah, that's a great, that's a great point. ending for our podcast. Yeah. Matthew, Perfect. thank you so much. We that really appreciate you being with us today. Every time we have one of these conversations, I walk away with a little bit more than I knew before I came in. And I love that about these podcasts. Yeah, it's amazing. Uh, we also walk away with a lot of gratitude to our listeners. You know, we, we, we're watching those listens go up there. We, we hate to ask, but we know there's a few things we need to ask for. I don't hate asking. <laughs> Not even a little bit. Hey, for those of you who haven't heard me ask before, five-star reviews. You got the phone in your hand, it's down by your lap. I don't care where it is, but it's not that far away from you. Five-star reviews. You know you want to do it. You know you love this podcast. Share it with the world because every time you create a five-star review, an angel gets his wings. <laughs> Did you know that? Yeah. And while that angel's getting his wings, it helps us move up. Um, you know, it helps us get more noticed in the podcast world help share the message. And if you're really being served by this, which we hope you are, um, you know, we'd love for you to share that with some other salon owners. The other thing we're going to ask you to do is to follow us on Instagram at 124.go, as well as Facebook. We're going to get more active on our Facebook page. And so if you're a Facebooker, then uh, follow us on Facebook at 124.go. And um, if you're a grammar, please tag us in your stories and we'll do the same uh, in hours. So thanks again for listening, everybody. We will see you on the next episode. Bye.